On today's episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand, I got to chat with Jason Wong, uh, who has a portfolio of beauty brands, does all sorts of stuff in the e-commerce space, runs a podcast as well. Uh, what an awesome, awesome conversation. Uh, you guys are definitely not going to want to miss this one. If you are a mid-seven-figure brand and above, listen up. Are you struggling with ads this year? Uh, how about growth in general? What about profitability? supply chain issues got you down? You are not alone. As a brand owner myself, I totally get this. iOS 14 has ravaged many smaller brands. The good news? Our clients at Upgrowth and the brands that we own have not been touched. Don't get me wrong. We had to fight to figure out how to advertise effectively in a post-surveillance ad world. But we learned some incredible lessons along the way. And we want to share some of those lessons with you. So go to www.upgrowthcommerce.com grow to apply for a free growth plan today so we can show you what is working in a post iOS 14.5 world. Again, that is www.upgrowthcommerce.com grow. Now on to today's episode. Hey guys, I just wanted to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Parker. It's the first card built exclusively for e-commerce. With the Parker card, you can access up to $10 million in zero interest credit with a rolling 60-day payback terms, meaning that you get true net 60 on every single transaction. If you're an e-commerce operator and you care about your business, get rid of your consumer-oriented mindset and stop optimizing for Amex travel rewards. Instead, use Parker and start learning about what your card partner can do for your business. What can you do with the cash flow freed up by using Parker's net 60 terms, you might ask? You can pump more money into advertising. You can test out that new channel or that new piece of content that you've been sitting on. You can increase your inventory orders. The list goes on and on and on. If you want to do more with your cash flow and grow your e-commerce business, Parker is the card for you. And yes, Parker is currently offering a $1,000 sign-up bonus for UpGrowth listeners. So go to getparker.com, chat with their team today, and please make sure to let them know where you came from. Now, on to today's episode. Hey guys, Jordan West back with another episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand. Today I'm joined by Jason Wong. Jason, welcome to Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand. Happy to be here. Been looking uh, forward to it. Yeah, yeah, me too, man. Well, I, th I think what we're going to do is we're actually going to call this one Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brands. We're kind of sick of just talking about like single brand uh, today. Yeah. So we're, we're going to be talking about portfolios. We're going to be talking about, about what's working now, uh, what's not working now, uh, all of that kind of stuff. Really looking forward to chatting with you. Um, I love when I have people on and generally I do have people that are smarter than me on, but I have no doubt Jason is smarter uh, than me. So I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Jason, for people who know nothing about you, just tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yes, my name is Jason Wan. I have been a e-commerce founder since I was 14. Uh, first started off selling stuff on eBay, realized that internet money is real. <laughs> and so I it actually down goes on in your it. account. <laughs> yeah, that, that was the cool part. I was using my mom's uh, my mom's bank account because I didn't have my own. Um, but yeah, I started pretty young and now I'm focusing on building my own brands that are in the beauty vertical and then cool. doing a lot of angel investing on the side in food and beverages, home decor, uh, a lot of SaaS tech. That's kind of been like where my energy is at nowadays. 
Cool. Cool. That's awesome. For people who are not familiar with angel investing, walk me through what you, what exactly an angel does, because, you know, a lot of the people who listen to this podcast from, from, you know, what we, what we've gathered over their 400 episodes is a lot of people bootstrapped, right? They've just used their own money. They have no clue what to do. Maybe they've gone to venture, whatever. What's the difference here? Where, where do angels come in? Why? And, and Jason, why the heck do you want to angel invest? Yeah. So I want to angel invest because I wish I had that resource, not just monetary, but the strategy uh, and experience when I first started my own company. So now when I see founders who are just starting their companies um, and I see great potentials in them, I'm like, cool, let me write a check just so I have skin in the game, but let me help you Mm. with what I have. Introductions to people I know, uh, getting you into distributors, getting you into customers' hands, you know, like the whole nine yards, like things I wish I had. But really what I look for in in terms of angel investing are really great ideas that are missing a couple things that I think I can bring to the table. Cool. Um, okay. So typically a lot of these ideas are now in tech, um, but before it was in products. But tech generally have a better multiple, greater market. Lots more white space and a lot less logistical nightmares. So initially it was in it was in consumer brands, but now definitely in the e-commerce enabled tech. Cool, cool. That's awesome. I love, I absolutely love that space, especially considering the you know the growth of e-com. It's interesting. The last couple of days, there's been some great reports on growth because everyone's talking about e-com slowing down. Uh, but when you actually look at the data, it absolutely not right. Absolutely not when you see that. And so all these tech enablement partners that come alongside really help the growth of the industry in general. Um, Jason, right. walk me through uh, your very first brand. What was it? My very first brand was this company called Trendico. And it was started in 2014 as a apparel brand in order to uh, work with artists, graphic designers to showcase their work on apparel. So kind of like Red Bubble. Um, okay but like on a smaller scale, much, much smaller scale. And the idea is that a lot of these artists don't know how to capitalize on their own talent. So I'm going to take on the risk for inventory. I'll bring your designs to life. I'll put it onto t-shirts, pants, hats, whatever, and sell it for you. And I just take a cut from that. Um, And so that went on for like two, three years, really helped pay through school for me, got me to move out of my place. It was a pretty humble business, quite small now that I look back at it. But I, I learned everything I could in that one little store. Cool, cool. That's great. And then from there, tell me where where you went next, because you know, at, you know, Jason now comparatively to Jason then um, has probably learned a lot of stuff and probably made a lot of mistakes. I'm guessing. I'm hoping. Absolutely. I'm hoping you're like me that you've made a lot of mistakes, right? <laughs> Tons of mistakes. Um, I honestly love to talk about my mistakes more than successes because. I think a lot of success comes down to timing, you know, the right opportunity showing up and then a little bit of luck and then some skills. Like I, I would like to attribute a lot of my success to that way. But mistakes are typically mostly my fault. So I like to talk about that. I launched a culling book after after Trendy Code. It was a culling book for memes, internet memes. This is back in 2016. Rise of internet memes. Trump was uh, running for president. You know, the good fun meme days. Um, And so I was turning all of those trending topics, words that were uh, going viral, viral videos into illustrative artwork, into a little culling book. But I didn't have any inventory on hand. It was just an idea. I made a Shopify store thinking that no one's got to buy it. And 
the first day I did four thousand dollars. The second day I did six thousand. The third day I did eight thousand. And by the end of the week, I did a hundred thousand dollars. By the end of the month, I did two hundred and fifty thousand uh, dollars. And you didn't and, have a product. And I didn't have the product. The, <laughs> the entire store was built on a built on three pictures that I photoshopped of what the product would look like. And Take it. This was not a Kickstarter campaign. This was not meant to be a Kickstarter campaign. This was not even a pre-sale. This was just, I'm going to put it up and maybe it'll sell a little bit. And then I will go to a local print shop to print some. It was just like a a silly idea. Um, But it ultimately turned into a a empire, if you want to call it that, because it actually spiraled into different verticals of the same theme i had a main board game i had a cookbook i had a bath bomb line i had a candle line uh, around the same theme wow all based on on these on these memes on these memes over the next five years and it became an annual series every single year we'll release a a coloring book i call like a yearbook so if you love all the stuff that you've been laughing at at that year come october october november you get a book of everything that was notable and and viral in one single book they can have fun with. And that was our main selling point. But the entire idea came out of a what if shower thought, like what if I just made a coloring book and it blew up? But so many mistakes happened because of that one thing because I essentially got kicked off of a boat into a deep water. Like think about it from, this was just a random idea to making a quarter million dollars in 30 days. Did you have any like any supply chain set up whatsoever? Had you no. even looked into it? No, we we didn't even have the print shop uh, uh, that was appointed to. I scrambled to look for a print shop. So one was not doing enough preparation. Like I should have had Plan B, Plan C, even if it was a silly idea. I should have had contingency plans for it. Yeah. Uh, second was I didn't have the logistics set up. So I you know last minute did a lot of stuff and that ate into our margin significantly uh i didn't put a tracking pixel on my website so i didn't capture most of the people who did not go out and check out i you know probably lost hundreds of thousands of dollars on abandoned cart revenue and even retargeting revenue um and i would say most important thing after that stuff was i didn't hire fast enough i thought i could just do it all i didn't put enough money against expanding the business in a more consistent and sustainable way and just honestly made so many rookie mistakes that looking back was all avoidable if i just you know learn from someone else or like listen to podcasts like this totally totally and that's the thing though like I'm, i'm feeling you know when we first started our very first business like i literally had no clue I didn't even know what like a balance sheet was. I didn't know how yeah. to read a profit and loss statement. Like there's like literally nothing. I was like, this feels good. You know, oh, I yeah. think that we can do this, right? And and unit economics, it's like, well, what the heck are those? You know, right. like I imagine for you, you know, setting that up, like, did you have any clue what your cost was going to be after you sold this? No, no, this was complete blind. I set the price to $9.99, not even knowing what my wholesale price would be. Like it could it could have been ten bucks. I would have paid people to buy my product. Like there is zero preparation for it. You can sign it off as a you know just silly kids making a silly product, thinking that no one's gonna buy his silly item. But really, like if I was gonna go to the length of creating a whole store and then like driving traffic to it, I should have done a lot of these preparations. I should have 
you know, spot check before I drove the car, but I was driving a car with no wheels. Um, so I, I think like a lot of these things in terms of learnings really could come down to trying to think through the scenario of if I do this, what would happen? Like I, I think every founder, in order to avoid the same mistakes that I make, rather than talking about the specific problems, because it's sometimes just not applicable to you, think about if I do this action, what are the consequences? If I send traffic to the store, the consequences is that there's got to be a lot of people going to the store. Okay, am I capturing their email address? Am I capturing their pixel data? Uh, all right, there's money going into the bank account. Am I going to record the numbers now or do I want to scramble for my bookkeeper you know, seven months later, um, you know, there's a lot of things, but everything comes down to cost, cost and effect. And I think every founders, every single thing that you do needs to think through what are the consequences if I do a certain thing and how do I make sure that I can either minimize my risk exposure or how do I make my life easier down the line or how do I make more money by if I do this one thing. Totally, totally. Rather than just being in sort of 911 mode all the time in whatever decision you're making and being like, well, this is fine for now because I can't right. handle anything else, right? So right. I, I am I am so with you there. Jason, walk me through the transition. You're in beauty for the most part now. How yeah. did you transition into that incredibly crowded marketplace and why? It is so crowded. Not going to lie. It's it's one of the more, most saturated market out there just simply because how big the market is and people saw the money and they rushed to it and me being one of them. Uh, so I ran the meme business for about four and a half years. And over time, you're like, do I want to do this for the rest of my life? And it comes to the decision and say, no, that is not what I want to do. So I sold the business. Uh, so pieces of the business away uh, because I have different verticals. So like the candle business got sold to one person, the bath on business got sold to another person. It was great. Um, but the bis the beauty business actually came as an accident. I, I was with my girlfriend at the time and I noticed that her lashes were not comfortable. Um, she was poking, uh, she was saying that I was poking her eyes. She was rubbing her eyes. So it just didn't seem like a great time wearing something that you wear yeah. every single these, day. These were, these were lashes that you put on? Yeah, that you put on yeah. your eyes. And yeah. you know, you and I are guys, uh, I'm gonna make an assumption that you don't wear lashes or you know, you, you have natural I haven't recently, lashes. yeah. But I yeah. see my wife take them on and off every day. So exactly. I'm quite an expert. <laughs> the best way for me to describe it is like wearing um, high heels. You know, it's you, you, put, you wear it for a night out. You know it's got to be uncomfortable, but you do it because you have to do it. We, I, so I was like, let me see if I can create the sneakers to high heels. Like, can I make the sneakers of lashes that you can wear every single day that feels comfortable? You can jump around. You can cry. You can ride a roller coaster and it won't fall off. Yeah. Um, and so I, I like the roller so it, coaster, the roller coaster idea. That's great. <laughs> it actually that we, we roller coaster tested it. It, it survived against Disneyland. But the point being is that I really just did it by accident. And it turns out that there was a larger market than I expected. And that's really my philosophy now. It's like, if it's, if there's no white space for it, and if I'm not creating something that is bringing significant difference to the market, then I don't want to do it because there's a billion other beauty brands making the same exact product. I don't want to just be one of them. I want to stand out. Mm. Um, so that was my first business. And then I started creating other ones and being invited to invest and participate in other beauty brands. And that's how like my portfolio grew is the success of one brand led to me to became somewhat of a, you know, person in the space 
that people yeah. come for advice and they're like, yo, join my company. Can you help me out with this? I'll give you equity. And it really snowballed into a little portfolio nowadays. This month's sponsor is Parker. It's the first card built exclusively for e-commerce. Free up cash flow and grow your business with Parker by getting net 60 terms on every transaction. And if you don't know how incredibly life-changing net 60 terms could be on every transaction, you need to know that that is an absolute game changer. So please go to getparker.com to chat with the team today and make sure you told them that Jordan sent you. Cool. That's that's awesome. So you know we're in we're recording this September first, twenty twenty two. This will probably come out sometime October, November. People <laughs> listening to this, what? Let's look into the the magic ball. What does e commerce look like in the next couple of years? What are the brands that are actually going to last? Because I think a lot of those ones are feeling the effects now. Are seeing that the the downturn from iOS fourteen point five and and all of that. And I think a lot of those brands aren't either aren't around or aren't going to be around. What does the next couple of years look like to you? Yeah, let's look at things on like the high level macro perspective. Cool. Where people are driving traffic from are the social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, all that stuff. The algorithm changes on those platforms really now favors creatives that are dumb stop scrolling. You know, it like creatives that just wow shoot. But craves that wow you also is somewhat contingent on products that wow you. Like the product has to just really stand out. So if you're just making another pair of white sneakers, it's got to be really hard for you to stand out. But if you're wearing a stain-proof white sneaker with the wow factor of pouring coffee over the shoe and it doesn't stain, that's got to stand out a lot more. What this mm-hmm. is going to mean is that it's forcing brands to be a lot more innovative and if you're just making something mediocre you're not gonna stand out but you're, you're seeing how there's a downstream effect of how platforms that drive traffic and what they favor and how that decides what products and brands are going to survive because if you're just an ordinary brand making another pair of white sneakers that and you're not nike you're not one of these big brands you're gonna spend a lot more money to acquire a customer because it's going to take a lot more effort to capture their attention your margins gotta be slimmer it's gotta be harder for you to scale you're gonna die out within a year or two and only brands that have that wow factor in their product are going to survive um and that's why like even during these market downturns and when brands are having a really tough moment a lot of drop shippers are not feeling the effect even though their business fundamentally aren't as good as these bigger and and better brands the reason is because their products simply have that bigger wow factor that Mm. makes people click through the ad makes people go by out of curiosity because they're like this is something so different that i've never seen before because that's how drop shippers are trained right is to to find that one little that one little tweak to a product because they're not developing it themselves right yeah no not at all and they don't even make the creatives and that's the mind-boggling part of what i'm seeing in e-commerce because i also run a supply chain company for drop shippers you know like i i do fulfillment i do procurement i do product development for drop shippers my clients are doing better than ever before <laughs> and i am personally on the brand side i have a lot of friends who are owners of huge consumer brands who are like we are down 20 percent from last year we're not meeting our growth target and i have these kids drop shipping you know, mediocre products with wow factors, they're raking in a million, two million dollars a month. They're just blowing past 
the brands that are traditionally the titans, the brands that people respect and admire, people that have it on their mood board. That's mm. what's crazy to me. But that, I would say, happens because of the platform changes. Uh, you know, beyond the iOS 14 level, just the algorithm changes to how people consume content is driving a different landscape for what kind of products survive and what doesn't. Hmm. Jay, you really get me getting me thinking here, Jason. I mean, I can't even like continue to form a sentence because my mind is spinning right now of like, huh, that's what's happening with consumer behavior because there is something going on, right? I think that we can all, we can all say it's not just because of iOS 14.5. We went during the pandemic to a whole new way that we consume media with TikTok, right? Like it's just, it's a completely different from, from when you and I grew up in this, in this era um, where it was pretty pictures, you know, to, to what we're doing now, it's completely different. It's completely yeah. different. And I think a lot of brands are having a really hard time uh, catching up to that. Jason, not sure if you've delved into it at all. What are your thoughts on uh, Google's performance max and how that's changing the landscape? Um, I don't know too, too much about Google, but like, you know, I know enough because I sit in every single call. We are definitely doing better with performance max just by consolidating everything into a bigger bubble than having everything scattered. Um, there are still limitations here and there, and we aren't able to get as narrow as we could before. But just like media buying on Facebook, just like media buying on TikTok, there was a time years ago, the golden years of Facebook media buying, where if you're creative enough with how you do your targeting, with how you segment your audience, and with how you like structure your campaigns, you're going to do wonderful. And now people are like, I threw one single campaign, raw targeting, and I'm flying. And it's really because platforms are trying to take back control for how they want to do media buying. And so media buyers nowadays aren't really the media buyers that you're seeing years ago. No. There's a lot less control of the, of the buttons that you're able to click. It's a lot more focused on the type of creatives that you're testing, the landing pages that you're creating, and the site experience that you're giving people. Mm. So, you know, media buying has changed a lot on Facebook. It's changing a lot on Google with performance max being introduced. And I think that's the way that we're going to see things heading towards. Absolutely. I mean, we've at, at Upgrowth Commerce, uh, the agency portion of, of uh, our businesses, um, we have made a massive transition from, you know, we used to have the classic account managers that would essentially be, you know, the people who were pushing the buttons and moving things around to literally rehiring an entirely new team of growth strategists who understand creative and understand landing pages and understand the entire ecosystem because it actually is the one thing that matters. Targeting? Like really, like, you know, the, the old Google days of single keyword ad groups, like, no, yeah. those are those are gone. Those are absolutely gone. Um, yeah. and, and now I look at, you know, the Advantage Plus campaigns. I still delve every once in a while on paid media just because I, I still really enjoy it. And I, I went on Facebook recently. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna try a campaign out. I'm like, what is this Advantage Plus? No targeting? There's no, they don't even target. It's it's the most insane thing that I've seen. And it's only going to get more and more automated as, you know, th- platforms like Performance Max come come into the game. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and I think that's just the way it's going to be. And I, I think it's for the better um, in a sense of leveling the playing field for people. You know, years ago, you need the high production ads to really make it that. And now anyone can start a business with their iPhone, literally running their entire business on a phone, shooting the ads, editing the ads, running your store. Um, so in, in a way, I, I welcome it 
to a community, you know, um, but I am also personally, because I'm not a media buyer anymore, I, I'm welcome these changes because it really allows me to focus on like the site experience, to focus on the creatives. Um, and, you know, it's whoever wins with the best creatives now. And that's a lot more refreshing than the old, old days of you need to do X, Y, and Z for the audience. You got to do all these account structuring and no one loves doing that. No one wakes yeah. up and say, I love segmenting my audiences on, on Facebook and, and doing all these cost bidding strategies. Like no one loves doing that. Like creatives, you can at least have a little fun with it. Totally. I mean, and that gets your mind going too, right? And I think that I think that the people who know how to do that are going to be the ones who are successful. Jason, I got a question. Uh, sorry, I got to ask you the question that I ask everyone who comes on the podcast. What is your secret to scaling? My secret to scaling? Um, um, I would say it has been a lot of testing, but it's a lot of people. Um, everyone's got to tell you it's a lot on you know, A-B testing and whatnot. So I'm not going to go into that. I would say hiring the right people has made the most incremental changes to my business. People and the type of people that you bring into the business really makes a difference. Um, I look at some core values of the people that I hire for the business. And in particular, it's a lot of people who are curious, who are driven to see through their actions and people who are accountable for the things that they are that they're responsible for. Um, these core values are really hard to train. Media buying, mm -hmm. I can train you. Um, you know, project management, I can train you. But like, if you have these core values that I think makes up a really important team member, um, I think that you can make the most changes to an organization if you just mm -hmm. have those qualities. I absolutely love it. Jason, I love chatting with, I was, I was having a conversation with somebody else uh, earlier today about this, you know, because I ask this question so often. And it's so interesting because the people who are running bigger organizations like myself and you, and, you know, I had a CEO of a publicly traded company on a little while ago who they own a bunch of different brands. Um, that That is the key. That is always the key. It's values and people, right? And it's aligning those things together. So I, I almost didn't even expect another answer from you. So thank you for saying, uh, thank you for saying that, Jason. It's the key, oh, yeah. guys. It's the key. Like, it's it's once you understand that stuff. I remember the first time in in a business a long time ago, and my partner was like, "We need to we need to figure out our core values." I'm like, "What the heck are you talking about? Why would I do that?" I know, no, we need to we need to just keep working. And and the me now looks back on that guy and it's like, Jordan, you didn't know what you were talking about. That's the most important stuff is figuring out what you actually value and sticking to that. Yeah. So love it, Jason. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Of course, of course. And I, and I say this because I've listened to so many podcasts um, myself and being in so many. And I, I know oftentimes the answer is like, oh, you got to do A-B testing. You got to like testing channels and all that stuff. You can get those strategies from all these other shows. Let me tell you, like at a certain point, you realize that the people really mix up your business. It's at, at a certain level, that's really been the key thing that has drive momentum for our company it's introducing these new ideas people who are curious people who are willing to contribute and work really hard to bring your visions to life nothing else beyond that hmm. love it jason i got three more questions for you i hope that you're ready i'm ready all right first question favorite tool or app that you're using right now i love bounty um bounty is this new bounty? tool that yeah it's 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 not one of those traditional ones that you expect they're actually quite new um bounty.co the idea for Bounty is that it allows you to 
turn your customers into micro influencers. So when you, Jordan, go buy something from, let's just say Gymshark, and you post about it on TikTok and it gets 10,000 views, you don't get reward for for making that video because you're just nope. a customer showing that thing. But if Gymshark has the bounty program on their website, you can register your username and your phone number on the widget right, right above the add to cart button. When you receive your order and you post about it on TikTok, it ties your order and your username together. And Gymshark can pay you for the views that you give them on TikTok. Wow. On a cashback CPM model. Yeah, it's I've never seen that before. It's extremely, extremely effective in generating UGCs because now people are more uh, are, are more than motivated to to create content for you. We're seeing content creators making two, three pieces of content for us instead of just one now, which is crazy hmm. to me. What kind of uptake are are you seeing from this? Is this like 1% of your customers, 2%? Um, I haven't really quantified it yet, but just knowing the amount of UGCs that we're getting and how we can turn that into ads, uh, I can tell you for sure that we have more than enough ads to test on paid social then we have in like then we have enough bandwidth for yeah. like there's just yeah. so much free content and they're so genuine and the thing about bounty is that we'll pay you still even if it's a negative like content like we're not paying you to give us a false positive review it's like as long as you're giving us exposure i think you deserve to be paid unreal i i've just uh, i rarely ever type during a podcast but i just i had to throw that one in there because i'm going to Check that out before these show notes come out. So <laughs> thanks, Jason. I love it. Um, uh, second question for you. Favorite podcast or audio book that you're listening to right now? Mm, I love the book, uh, Pitch Anything. It's been something that I've been reading lately. And it's a book that really tells you how to take control in situations, like in conversations, whether that is negotiation rather than just like a conversation that you want to drive a point across uh, or pitching, you know, pitching someone. And it really goes into the psychology of what happens when you talk to someone, how they process information, and how you're able to speak a certain way to get the right information to their head or mm. make them think a certain way. It's, it's honestly a great book to read if you talk to people. Cool, <laughs> which cool. Which is most people. Yeah, 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 exactly, which is like all of us. And it's kind of the skill that you need to, to do well in this world. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, awesome. Last question for you, Jason. If you could sit down with anybody, you get an hour with them. They have to be alive. If you can't be Elon Musk. Who would it be? Um, man, that's a really hard one. I, I'm, I'm sure for most people. I think someone that I would love to meet will be Jack Ma, mm. <laughs> founder of Alibaba. Alibaba, yeah. This, this is a guy who failed in his 20s, failed in his 30s, failed in his 40s. Uh, and then eventually, you know, found that one of the most successful companies in the world, this guy got rejected from fast food chains, <laughs> you know, got kicked out from, from doing all these jobs. And then he went on to do this. So I, I respect the guy for the grit and perseverance that he has. And I think he probably has some insane stories that, um, will help me a lot. Um, it, if it's someone that didn't have anything to start with and, and eventually made a name for himself, that's someone that is top of mind for me. And I've actually said this answer many times in other shows. This is not something I just made up. Yeah. 
Awesome. Awesome. That's great. That's a, that's a great uh, answer. I love it. And no one has ever said him before. So great. <laughs> Jason, thanks for your time. Where can people uh, connect and learn uh, more about you? Yeah. So I'm on Twitter at agro. Um, you can also find me on Instagram at pug, like the dog, P-U-G. Uh, I answer to most you have DMs. You both of those like really short, uh, really short handles? I I have short handles on virtually every single platform because <laughs> wow. I start really early. Um, I, I mean, I've been in social media since 2011. So as soon as I was able to, I just got names that I wanted in every single one. Uh, if you ever use Venmo, my Venmo username is at Naughty. Um, <laughs> I, wow. I was really hoping to get like some free cash from people, <laughs> you know? Like I, I was hoping that <laughs> someone just thought I was a sugar baby and just sent me a hundred bucks, but that never happened. I actually paid a lot more for my account than I received. That is so funny. Uh, well, Jason, thank you so much. We'll make sure that all of those are in the show notes. Uh, guys, I would highly, highly recommend uh, connecting with Jason. And also you have a podcast. Tell us about your podcast. I have a podcast called The Building Blocks Show. And the idea is I interview incredible founders, operators, and marketers to break down how they did something successful specifically, whether that is a campaign, launching a product, launching a brand. I go down deep inside the building blocks of how they achieved it so that you as a listener can learn through the step-by-step process rather than just saying something philosophical or something that is very conceptual. Like I want to deep dive into it. So that's a building block show. We're on Spotify. Thank you, Jordan, for giving me a chance to shout it out. I wasn't expecting to. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Well, I loved being on your podcast, Jason, and you grilling me on the nitty gritty of, I believe that we were talking about gated launches at the time and, um, or something like that. (laughs) I talk about a few different things, but, um, but it was so refreshing to, to, instead of just conceptually talking about it, really diving into the details. Um, so guys highly recommend going and checking out Jason's podcast. Um, for sure. Well, Jason, thanks again so much for coming on. Really appreciate your time today. I think people are going to get a lot out of this one. Appreciate you for having me. Hey guys, we hope you really enjoyed today's episode. Can we ask you a favor? Hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode and share this with your e-commerce store owner friends. We also love reviews. So if you could leave us one on Apple Podcasts, that would mean so much to us. Just a reminder from the beginning of the episode, our team at Mindful Marketing is rapidly growing and we have room for one new brand a month that's looking to grow. Now, before you apply, please note that we're only looking for businesses that are ready to scale and have the capacity and the inventory for a large influx of orders. This opportunity is only available to brands that have had at least one year of sales history and are ready for explosive growth. If this sounds like you, go to mindfulmarketing.co slash apply and start the process today. I hope you guys have a great week.